I am truly glad to see each of you. And I, I want to let you know, the same thing I let you know every week, and you might say, well, why don't we repeat it every week? It's so we'll do it. It's so we'll live it. It's our motto. No matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. Do you realize how many people go through this world not feeling welcome, not feeling wanted, and not feeling loved, especially in a church environment? A church environment, a church family, we should be a, a group that no matter how bad you've messed up, we still love you. And we're there for you. And we're there to help you. Now, you might have messed up in such a way that you, you might be incarcerated and cannot be physically with us. But that doesn't mean our heart's not with you, okay? We praise God for that. So you, you always want to be part of a, of a community of believers. So I'm so glad you guys are a part of this. I believe the Lord's called you to a part of this. But say you move or you're out of town or something, you need to find a community of believers that, uh, that you can be on the same page with no matter what. You know, I don't often get to visit other church services there are times when we're on vacation or something and we'll, we'll go to another church service and it's really, really fun to kind of see how other people do things. I want you to imagine a story here where you've gone on a trip and say you're gone for a month or so and um, you, you tune into the Recreate Church podcast. Anybody ever listen to the podcast? It's on things like, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Podcasts. Uh, you can download the Podbean app is where it's hosted. But all those places, pretty much anywhere you listen to like music or podcasts, you can get the Recreate Church podcast. So check it out. Uh, it's also on YouTube, okay? Not with uh, video yet, but it, the audio is there. So yeah, you can get it about anywhere. But let's just say in this scenario, you've been gone for like a month. You've been listening to the Recreate Church podcast, but you're like, man, I got I to gotta go visit a local church. So you, you think about it, you pray about it, you Google, you look around, and you, you find a church that's not far, a church building, and, and it looks nice from the outside. There's a Chick-fil-A right across the street, which you, you know that's the Lord's chicken. And uh, so you think that's a good sign. <clears throat> so you go, uh, you pull into the parking lot, and there's like friendly people in the parking lot, and they're like, hey, how are you? And you know, there's... There's like they wave you to a parking space and you walk towards the big entrance and there's people there to open the door for you and say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. And you walk in and they've got like an entrance area with some coffee and some donuts and, and whatever. And you you go get yourself a cup of coffee and you just sort of, you know, do that new new church experience thing where you got your coffee and you sort of huddle in the corner and like, I kind of want people to talk to me, but I kind of don't want them to talk to me. I and, and you're just having that experience, you know, and it's almost time for the service and you, you see the countdown is starting, it's time to get in place and people start going towards these big double doors into the auditorium and um, you see them lining up and you notice something weird is going on. It's like everybody going into the auditorium, they pause for a moment and they're dropping something into a big bin, like a big plastic bin and you can't really see what they're dropping into it and you're starting to panic you're like oh my goodness is this how they is this how they take up the offering and you're like patting your pockets like lord i don't i don't have any money with you and i don't i don't know what to do lord i i'll, I'll catch it up next time no big deal no worries so you you kind of get in this 
this throng of people who are going into the auditorium and they're stopping and they're dropping something into this bin. And uh, as you get closer, you see it, it does not look like it does not look like money they're dropping in there. It does not look like a check or anything. It's too big. It's like a big like something that looks like a big gray chunk of cauliflower. And you get right up to the bin and you look in the bin and to your horror, you see what people are dropping in the bin. It's brains. It's brains. And you watch just freaked out as people hinge open their head, pop out their brain and drop it in the bin. And you're like, is this real? Is this a movie? What the heck is going on? What kind of, what kind of a church have I gone to? Well, you got to drop your brain in the bin. And you're just, you're stopped there. You're like frozen. And you hear a gruff voice behind you and a, a tap on the shoulder and it says, hey, buddy, you going in? And you turn around and there's this big guy there. And he just looks at you and he says, ah, oh, first timer, huh? And you don't even know what to answer. You're just like messed up. And he said, hey, don't worry about it, man. It's first timer. Just drop your just drop your brain in the bin, okay? Um, you look like you're confused. Well, let me explain. You know, brains and faith don't really go together, so no big deal. Just drop your brain in the bin. You get it when you come out, okay? Just We don't take brains in there. We got to leave our brains outside. And you don't move. And he's like, oh, man, I, look, I'm going in. And he kind of pushes around you. He pops open his head. He scoops out his brain, and he drops it in the bin. What kind of a sound would that make? That just seems like, I, I don't know. I don't want to know. I hope I never know. And uh, that is your cue. The smell is broken, and you run for the door. You run through the parking lot. You're holding both of your hands on top of your head in case someone tries to extract your brain. And you get back in your car, and you are like, Lord, please, I never want to do that again. All right. So that was dramatic. Wasn't it? The church where you have to leave your brains at the door before you go in. Dramatic, a little bit gross, a little bit freaked out. Now you have a disturbing image to carry with you for the rest of the week. What did the preacher preach on today? He preached on brains and I didn't like it. Um, it's dramatic, it's weird, but it, it kind of is representative of the way some people think about faith. That some people think that in order to believe, you have to leave your brain out. That you have to, uh, you know, your intellect, your logic, you have to set it over here. Leave it at the door because the only people who can have faith must not be too bright. There are certainly people who feel that way, that, um, that teach, they believe that faith is a crutch for Weak minds and weak personalities. You are going to meet some people in this world who tell you that faith is incompatible with brains. They're going to people, you're going to meet people who tell you that what you believe is foolish and how could you possibly believe like that? You know, I, I've told my kids when they were young that they would get out in the world and they'd go to college and they would meet people who say that faith is just a bunch of myths and all of that, and that to believe means you have a lack of understanding. I'm going to challenge that today. And I want to tell you that if you really get to know Jesus, 
it will not turn off your brain. It'll switch it on. It'll increase your understanding. To believe in Jesus is to become a new man with a new mind and a new understanding. It's not faith that requires us to switch off our thinking. It's unbelief that brings darkness. It's the mind that doesn't know Jesus that's missing out on some big things and doesn't even realize it. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, uh, we've been talking about this, uh, you know, a new, new life, new man kind of thing. And uh, we've been seeing that um, when we become a believer in Jesus, we have a new life. And the old person we used to be should not be allowed to control us anymore. But sometimes the old person creeps into the new life especially when we like get really mad and you you think to yourself hey good thing i'm saved now because if i wasn't saved i'd be doing some volunteer dentistry on some people because i would be knocking some teeth out uh good thing good thing i know jesus uh, but one thing we saw a few weeks ago when we started the series was that when we become a new man in Christ, we have a new mind, so we cannot fill up our minds with things that have no eternal value. We cannot fill up our thinking with the kind of things that people who don't know Jesus obsess over. We cannot fill up our brains with money and stuff and entertainment and the desire for recognition and gossip and appearance and a million other things that, that seem important but are empty when it comes to eternity. So next, this we're, we're taking the next logical step here. Um, if we become a new man with a new mind, we should have a new understanding and a new way of thinking and processing the world around us. So the Apostle Paul wrote this, Ephesians 4.18, 4, 17 and 18, and he wrote it as a warning. He said, if you know Jesus, you cannot go back to the old ways. Of thinking you cannot go back to the old ways of acting don't let the old that you used to be control the new that you are new man new mind new understanding so so let's get into this we'll read this and pray here it is Ephesians four seventeen. this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll speak into our, our hearts now and illuminate our minds with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me clear the air. First thing, the New Testament teaches that a relationship with Jesus is the ultimate eye-opener. There are some spiritual realities that, that cannot be understood until we have a faith relationship with, with Jesus. Until you've trusted in Jesus as Savior, there's some things you just can't perceive. It's not a matter of intelligence. It's not a matter of logical ability. It's just there's no equipment to receive the signals. Like, like a radio with no antenna, it, it can't pick it up. Or like everybody's favorite, when you have Wi-Fi but no Internet. Oh, I hate that, don't you? It's like the Wi-Fi is connected, but you have no internet. What? You're telling me I have no Wi-Fi? Uh, you're telling me I'm on the council, but you do not give me the, grant me the rank of master. 
Okay, that is for a very select few. That was last week. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating. But it's just like there's no ability to, to, to like pick it up. You don't know it's happening, okay? It's, it's not about whether you're smart or not. It's just there's no way to detect it. All right. Maybe I could explain it like this. I wish Elijah was here this morning. He's a little under the weather because he would dig this. Is it too early for astrophysics? Can we do some astrophysics? I like ast- I like that stuff. There is a subatomic particle taught, called a neutrino. It's part of solar radiation. The sun is emitting all these little particles all the time, and some of them are neutrinos. And uh, the peculiar thing about a neutrino is it's so tiny that it can pass through solid matter, including the densest person you know. It can pass right through them. Actually, it can pass through... All of us right now, this very second, this is going to be uncomfortable, okay, if you're a person who values your personal space. Right now, billions of neutrinos are passing through you. Do you feel that? You're like, I just thought it was the breakfast I had. I didn't know it was a neutrino. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, you can't feel them. You can't actually feel them. You can't see them. You don't even know it's happening, and now you're disturbed. Like there's things passing through me. I don't. I did not choose this. I do not give my consent for subatomic particles to be passing through me. I, I get it. You don't even know it's going on, yet they're there. You would have to have some very special equipment to detect them. Okay. If you had heard of neutrinos before today, and that's probably not a lot of us. Chances are you weren't thinking a bit about them before I brought it up. And a few days from now, you ain't going to be thinking about them anymore. And yet they are the reality. They're passing through you at all times. It's just not that important to our lives most of the time. Now, if you were a particle physicist or a nuclear physicist, pardon me, I'm from Dugsburg. It's hard for me to say words right. If you were an astrophysicist, Neutrinos are really important. They, they give important information about the universe and guidance and understanding. And if neutrinos should go away, it would be potentially catastrophic. It, but for everybody else, it's just trivia. You might get a question right on trivia nights. What's, a new, what's the subatomic particle that can pass through people? Oh, it's neutrinos. I heard about that. Um, at Recreate Church. It's something most people don't know and don't care that they don't know. It just doesn't seem to matter. So that's what I'm getting at. Before we know Jesus as Savior, there's a lot of spiritual truths that might as well be a neutrino. They're all around us. Life as we know it kind of depends on them keeping doing their thing, but we don't even know what's going on. We don't have the ability to receive them and to understand them. So this is, this is kind of creating the context here for what the Apostle Paul is going to say. He's going to talk about how before we know Jesus, there's so much going on that we have no perception of. And we cannot begin to perceive them until we have the life of Jesus in us. So he's going to use some words that are uncomfortable words. He's going to use words like ignorant and blind and alienated and darkened understanding. These are not words that are usually very polite to say about people. If you come up to someone and say, hey, did you know you're ignorant? Of course you didn't. That's what ignorance means. 
Did you know, do you know what ignorance means? You know, no one's going to feel good about that. It's going to feel bad. But I, I want you to understand, as uncomfortable as it is to have these words applied to us, that's where we all start. No matter how intelligent you are, no matter how educated you are, we all start in a position where we're unable to perceive so much spiritual truth. We don't know what we don't know. So if you're like in that position and like, oh, the pastor has already called me ignorant this morning, uh, please don't lean away. Lean in. Let's learn together and grow, receive this new understanding that Jesus has given us and uh, the new understanding that comes from new life. So let's kind of go into verse 18. We're going to take it a, a chunk at a time. Having their understanding darkened. That's the first phrase we're going to look at. That means exactly what it sounds like before a person is transformed by the gospel. Some things are still in darkness. Some truth is still shrouded in darkness. And that is the case even when a person technically knows the Bible. If you, you'll find lots of, quote, Bible experts on the, in the inter, on the Internet and on TV who know the words, but they don't really know the truth. Please understand, when you hear someone talking about the Bible, that doesn't mean they really understand it and are interpreting it correctly. There are some... It's possible for a person to be highly educated and miss the truth while a person who is living in a jungle somewhere who does not know how to read or write can receive the truth. It's not about education. Please don't think I don't believe in education. It seems like I, I've been always in classes my whole adult life. Um, I mean, you might as well call me Fahrenheit because I got the degrees, y'all. I got them. But it doesn't make any difference. You see, the difference is not education. The difference is not intelligence. It's illumination. Illumination means the darkness penetrating the light. It's that illumination that comes from Jesus that gives us real understanding. You should do all you can to educate yourself in the Word of God and receive good teaching. But it won't matter if you don't have the illumination of the Holy Spirit, which means you've got to be saved. Bottom line is, until you have trusted in Jesus as Savior, you're still living in darkness. That's an uncomfortable thought, but it is real and it is true. And Paul's warning here is to people who are in the light. It's not, he's not talking to people who don't know Jesus yet. He's really talking to people who do know Jesus. And he's saying, if you have received the light of the Spirit, don't live like you're in the darkness anymore. Don't pretend you don't understand the difference between right and wrong. A person who knows Jesus should live according to his teachings and process what they experience in the world through the context of what he's taught us and this new mind. I'm going to tell you right now, so much of the struggles of saved people come from thinking like a lost person. Because when you are saved, you should understand that God is doing things bigger than us. Now, a, a person who does not know Jesus yet, they can panic a lot, maybe, or get really upset and like, hey, why is this going on? When you know Jesus, you've got to stop and take a breath and say, wait a minute. There's a God out there who loves me, and I don't know what's going on right now, but I can trust God with it. 
So let's look at the next phrase, being alienated from the life of God. Alienated. I feel like we're on the History Channel. All the, the, that's like the Aliens Channel. Is it still? I haven't watched the History Channel in a long time. Is this still like how all the aliens did this and all the aliens did that? Well, I'm thinking maybe it's not aliens, but what do I know? I'm just, I'm not on the History Channel. Um, some translations here say separated, but it's really more than separated. This is alienation, like another planet here. Um, prior to Jesus, we might as well be on another planet from spiritual truth. Um, God is the source of all life, physical and spiritual. When you're plugged into God through faith in Jesus, you're more than just living. You're a truly alive, filled with his life, adopted into his family, connected to his power. In him is life. And we're in him. When we're in him, his life is in us. So Paul's reminding these folks, you aren't, you aren't alienated. Don't live like you're alienated. Don't live like you're separated. Don't live like you're disconnected. Don't um, live like you are, aren't plugged in to the power source here. We too often live our lives like, like we don't have any power. Like we've been unplugged. And we view the world as though we're constantly outnumbered and outgunned and underdogs forever with no strength is that really true you feel like an underdog sometime but is it true psalm well in a perception it is psalm eighteen twenty nine says in your strength O lord i can crush an army with my god i can scale any wall does that just apply to king david or does that apply to everybody who calls upon the name of jesus that's for you. Don't walk around feeling like you're powerless. There's hundreds of promises of power. You only look like an underdog to people in this world, but you really aren't. You're a child of the king. You've got connections. Does it, does it mean your life's always going to be easy? Well, it hasn't worked out that way for me. Does it mean you're always going to be comfortable? It means everything's going to work out. Does it mean you're never going to, to um, fail at anything? Does it mean you never struggle? Does it mean you never get sick? Does it mean you'll always find the perfect parking space? No, it doesn't mean any of those things. But it means there's nothing that cannot be overcome in the power of Jesus that is in you. You are unstoppable. Unstoppable when you're trusting God and doing things His way. Now, you might run into something where you have to take a detour you didn't expect, but God saw it coming. You are still unstoppable. All right, next, next phrase, because of the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance is a very loaded word. Of course, around here, we don't say ignorant. We say ignorant. Ignorant, we just you know, we shorten that, ignorant. Sometimes in the South, we add extra syllables. But this is one of those times we just get straight to the point. Ignorant. Um, in a technical definition, <coughs> ignorant means a lack of knowledge. And we all lack knowledge in some things. Um, for example, uh, sometimes we have a guy who comes from Finland at my work. He comes from Finland and works on a furnace. I know one little tiny bit of Finnish. Um, it's hivahuamenta. And I butchered that. It means good morning. And that's all I know in Finnish. Uh, the only Finnish I know is Finnish Finnish him. The first Finnish hymn I learned was not a hymn. It was, it was Mortal Kombat. That's another completely other thing. Um, 
I'm ignorant of finish, except for good morning. But we usually do not use that word in a technical way. If you tell someone they are ignorant or ignorant, they are not going to say, oh, you mean I lack knowledge in a specific area? They're going to be ready to fight you because we use it as a, as a condemnation. It's a way of saying a person, uh, not just saying a person does not understand, they're saying that they're refusing to see the truth that's right in front of them because they don't want to believe it. and They don't want to live with it. And that's, there's some truth to that, okay? When we are faced with some facts that would require us to change our lives, it is human nature to say, mm, mm, nah, I don't know about that. And that can, that can go with stuff we find in the Bible, too. Now, it cracks me up when people say that the Bible is something made up by humans. I'm telling you right now, if human beings made it up, it would not be so against human nature. The teaching of Jesus tells us to do things that are against what we would naturally do. And it's very difficult to live the life of a Jesus follower. It is not, uh, it's not a life for people who give up easily. It's not a life for wimps. If you're going to live for Jesus, it's going to require all your strength and all the strength that God gives you to live for Jesus. The word challenges us to, is us to live and believe and think in a way that is not natural. We're called to be supernatural. And that's what Paul is warning the Ephesian believers here. Do not walk in the ignorance of people who don't understand, who have not met Jesus. We cannot... We've got to stay supernatural. We can't think and live like people who don't know God, who refuse to recognize this better way of life that God's calling them to. If you really know the Lord, it should transform the way you live. It should transform the way you think. All right, the next phrase there, the blindness of their heart. Blindness here is a translation of a medical term that originally referred to a callus, like, like the, a hardened part of your skin. Now, one time I worked on the railroad, and I had some good calluses back then. I've had a desk job for a little while now, and I'm getting soft. I'm looking at these hands. I heard, did you hear my wife laugh a little bit? That was bad. When I said I'm getting soft, she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, preach, preacher, you getting soft. Her hair looks so good today, don't y'all think? Goodness sakes, your hair looks so pretty, so pretty today. But yeah, a callus means, you know, a hardened, it's hardened and insensitive, all right? Sometimes you've got to build a callus. I remember the first time I helped my uncle do a big roofing job. You ever torn shingles off a roof with them shingle shovels? They'll make a callus right in the palm of your hand, and it's horrible before you get there. But uh, in time, you build up this callus, and it's, it's, it's no longer sensitive. Okay, but that's not a compliment here. This term callus... Uh, sometimes the Greeks also used it to refer to blindness as in an insensitivity of the eyes. And that's probably because at the time, um, cataracts were incredibly common and they didn't have good treatments for them. And the cataract is, is a buildup over the eye. It's like a callus of the eye almost that um, reduces the ability to see. And 
what the Apostle Paul is saying here is, is don't be like those who are calloused, particularly a calloused heart. Because if you keep rejecting God, it builds up a callous. If you keep rejecting what he wants to do in your life, eventually you become insensitive to it. Don't be that guy. The heart of this whole message series is not is to not let the old person you used to be take over the new life you have in Jesus. The old man has no place in the new life. Before we know Jesus, our hearts are calloused, really. They're insensitive to the work of God. You know, God's always speaking. God is always working. God is always moving. But we can be deaf and blind and callous to it. And here's the really tough part. Is we cannot fix that in our own power. We cannot just reform ourselves. We No more than a person who is visually impaired can get out of bed one day and say, huh, you know, I think I'm going to choose to see more clearly today. Or a person who has some hearing loss cannot get out of bed and say, hmm, you know, I think I'm going to hear a little better today. No, it will take a miracle. And it takes a miracle for a heart to be sensitive to the Lord. It, it takes a miracle. You, you need a miracle. I need a miracle. Every single one of us needs a miracle God has done a lot of impressive miracles, but the most impressive miracle of God is when he takes a heart that is dead and turns it to life. When he moves us from spiritual darkness to spiritual light, that's a miracle. From spiritual deadness to spiritual life. From a blind, callous heart to a heart that beats with the heartbeat of God. That's a miracle. Salvation is a miracle. We pray for a lot of miracles, and it's a powerful thing. But understand, the greatest miracle of all is when a person has their heart transformed by Jesus. Paul is challenging you. If you're a believer, Paul is challenging you to live like the miracle that you're born again to be. To live out the new understanding of a new man. And don't go back to the old way of thinking. You know, throughout the centuries, it, it has been said by critics that religion is like a drug that dulls the senses and dulls the understanding. That religion discourages people from thinking and asking questions. Maybe that's true of a religion. Maybe that really is what a religion does. But please understand and hear me now. This thing we've got with Jesus is not a religion. There are people who want to make it into a religion... There are people who want to make it into just another list of rules you follow with a bunch of people who's, who you have to listen to or else. That's a religion. People have tried to make this a religion, but it is never meant to be a religion. It has always, always, always been a relationship with Jesus, a life-giving connection with Him, not a list of rules, not a list of do's and don'ts, not a list of ceremonies you've got to go through. It has always been a connection with Jesus. And that changes everything. Because faith in Jesus will awaken your mind. Will give you that illumination. Uh, illuminate to the depths of your understanding. Some of the greatest thinkers in history have been Jesus people. I know that around us we received the message that, that all great scientists are atheists. Or at least agnostics. That it couldn't be possible to believe in Jesus and, and still be a brilliant person. Man, that is not true. 
I'll give you a short list. Isaac Newton. Love Jesus. Laws of motion. Laws of universal gravitation. They had a they had an outbreak of plague one time, and while he was bored at home during the plague, he invented calculus. Have you ever taken calculus? Shame on you, Sir Isaac Newton. Why did you do that? Calculus is tough. No, it's it's necessary and good. Um, Michael Faraday. You may not know his name, but um, many discoveries related to magnetic fields. Jesus follower. Carl Friedrich Gauss practically invented the fields of probability and statistics and tons of mathematical and, and electromagnetic principles. Blaise Pascal, maybe you've heard of him. Fluid dynamics, vacuums, and 300 years before Texas Instruments was founded, he built a mechanical calculator. He was, he was like a kid who was bored, and he built a mechanical calculator. Isn't that awesome? Lord Kelvin came up with the ideas of the laws of thermodynamics, absolute zero, undersea communication cables, love Jesus. Werner Heisenberg, quantum theory, quantum mechanics, the uncertainty principle, love Jesus. And my personal favorite, one of the greatest men who ever lived, George Washington Carver. You know this guy? Oh, he's the peanut guy. Yep, he is. But he was so much more. This guy was born into slavery and grew up and worked so hard and transformed agriculture in America. There is a reason why 2% of our population feeds the rest of us and feeds half the world too, and it's because of a guy like him who loved Jesus. Read his biography sometime. It is fascinating. Here's a guy who had every reason to hate people, but he was so full of the love of God that he was so convinced that everything that he was discovering came from God. And uh, if you like anything made of peanuts, like peanut butter and everything else, Thank you, Brother Carver, for that. Sweet potatoes. You like sweet potatoes? You probably would have never ate one without this guy. because He's the one who pioneered it being consumed. Every single one of these guys are world-altering geniuses. And they have said that they were enlightened and inspired to discovery, not in spite of their relationship with Jesus, but because of it. These are, look, understand that faith in Jesus will awaken your mind. You see and interpret the world in a new way. Don't look at the world like you used to look at the world anymore. So if you've trusted in Jesus, you can't think the same way you used to. There's going to be days. Tomorrow's Monday. I feel about Mondays like Garfield feels about Mondays. I'd rather crawl in bed. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up. And I'm going to try my best to be a new man with a new mind. And see the world, not in the lens of, man, it's Monday. But rather, it may be Monday. But my God is God on Monday, just like He is on Sunday. And that's how I'm going to see my world. Look, if use this new mind the Lord has given you. Don't look at the world like unbelievers look at the world. Look at it and see that God's at work. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, what are you waiting on, y'all? What are you waiting on? Receive the new understanding that comes through faith in Christ. Jesus Christ, we, we, we sung that song, the creed, this I believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to earth, lived a perfect sinless life, and gave his life in our place that we can trust in him and be saved. And not only have life after this one, but have real life and understanding and peace and hope here and now. 
With all my heart, I encourage you to believe in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, I want to pray for everyone receiving this message. That if they haven't trusted in Jesus as Savior, that they would do so. And be born again in their spirits and in their minds, Lord. And I want to pray for everybody who, who calls upon the name of Jesus. Everyone who would stand up and say that they are saved people. Lord, I pray for myself among that group too. That we would no longer think like the lost world thinks. But our mind would be transformed by faith in you. And we would see the world and process the world so differently. God, we give you the glory and we pray that you continue to make us new men and new women in this new year. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for hanging with me through the science stuff today. I love, I eat that stuff up, man. Um, love it. And I just wish Elijah was here. When you see him next week, you say, you shouldn't have been sick. Dad talked about uh, astrophysics. He'd be like, oh, oh coconuts. Um, I miss the astrophysics. So anyway, I hope you have a wonderful, blessed week. May the Lord work in your life and may he awaken your mind to the power and goodness that is available from him. God bless.